Good afternoon and welcome. Thanks for being with us. It's Midday. I'm Tom Hall. Today, it's another installment of our Midday on Higher Education series. My guest is Dr. Julia Jaskin. She came to McDaniel College in Carroll County as an English teacher in 2003. In 2021, she was selected as the college's 10th president, the second woman to serve in that role. McDaniel is home to about 1,800 undergraduates and 1,400 graduate students. This week, McDaniel announced an initiative to help high school students from Carroll County navigate the college application process and receive scholarships to attend McDaniel, which has served as an anchor in the county since 1867. Dr. Juliet Jaskin joins me on Zoom from her office at McDaniel College. Dr. Jaskin, welcome. Hi, it's uh, great to be with you today. Well, thanks for your time. So you've been uh, at McDaniel for a long time. You started back in 2003. Um, How would you characterize uh, what's changed uh, in those 20 years uh, that you've been uh, associated with the college at various uh, levels of, uh, you know, teaching and administration? Uh, And what changes do you see on the horizon for the college? Looking forward. Yeah. um, So, gosh, over the last 20 years, there have been all kinds of changes. I think um, one that uh, for me is is, um, something that matters a lot is all of the new program development that we have uh, been involved in to make sure that we can meet the needs of uh, changing student demographic and um, meet the needs of workforce development. Um, certainly, uh, that has been a, a, a big thing here at McDaniel. And the, the changing student demographic, there's an understanding, I, certainly I accepted it as common wisdom, that there are simply fewer kids. There are fewer 18-year-olds mm-hmm. uh, trying to get into college because there are fewer 18-year-olds in general. But I actually, I looked it up. Um, in 2024, the freshman class generally will have been born in 2006. There were 4.2 million births in the United States in 2006. That's actually 3% higher than the year before and one of the highest birth rates, numbers of births, uh, in about 40 years. So um, is it a misconception that there are just fewer kids or is it that there are fewer kids who want to go to college? Yeah, so it's interesting. We are actually at a a peak right now, um, as you're your research pointed out, but over the next uh, five to 10 years, we will see that decline that um, that is being so often reported on. Um, it, it is different, though, in different parts of the United States. So uh, the Northeast is going to see the largest decline. And in fact, they are already seeing that decline. Um, but you see pretty significant increases in Texas, Florida, uh, California, Maryland will see some decline, but not as much as again the the states that are northeast of us. So it is a little bit more of a of a complex picture uh, than than often is reported. So when when you talk about the changing demographic, how has it changed? What 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 kind of student uh, or what kind of needs are the students bringing to the table now that they weren't bringing five years ago? Uh, and will those needs change over the next five years, for example? Yeah, so this is something that we've been talking about a lot at McDaniel and has really informed uh, our strategic planning process over the next five years. Um, we were certainly noticing a difference in the 
the college population even before COVID, uh, but really COVID exacerbated a lot of the issues that we were already starting to see in terms of, um, you know, students' preparedness for uh, for college, um, their, uh, you know, desire to have um, more supports. Um, I think, you know, it it was the the case uh, in the past that, you know, it was enough to have strong academic programs, uh, strong extracurricular uh, programs, athletics, and, and that was that was enough. And I think our students are increasingly wanting and deserving more from their college experience. So one of the central questions that we have asked here at McDaniel is, how do we ensure that students not only survive their college years, but actually thrive when they're here um, and then and then when they leave us and, and move beyond the hill? So that's really been at the core of, of what we've been focused on here at McDaniel. So what is the key then for a school like McDaniel when it comes to student attraction? Um, that phrase is the very first phrase uh, in your strategic plan, which, you know, as a new leader, uh, everybody tends to do these things to, you know, set the vision for the next several years. Um, but when you talk about student attraction, achievement and outcomes, um, what, do you, what does that mean? So uh, we are, I think, already well ahead of the game here in terms of uh, the establishment of our McDaniel commitment. Uh, you alluded to this uh, in your uh, introduction to the segment in terms of the value proposition for liberal arts institutions. And uh, back in 2019, we developed what we call the McDaniel Commitment, which is really a customized program of courses and opportunities that guarantee every student receives the tools that they need to be personally and professionally successful. So there's four different components to that that are developmentally appropriate, that begin in the uh, beginning uh, before the students really even get here and then end in their senior year. Um, so that's that's one program that that we are um, that we have already developed. Um, and then on top of that, uh, we just this year launched a student success program, which is designed to really support students in their first year. Uh, we have dedicated mentors for students who um, who really are cheerleaders for students, help them with their advising, uh, with, um, you know, making sure they have access to services, that they're getting connected to uh, different groups on campus and, and staying engaged. Um, and that has had a, a really impressive uh, impact for us in a very short time period. Um, over the last two years, we've increased retention by 7% um, just with, uh, with that student success initiative. Um, and we've got, you know, other other exciting things uh, coming down the pike. Uh, we have um, a new major in nursing that uh, is is just uh, on the precipice of receiving the uh, certification from our nursing board here, uh, and we'll be um, bringing that program. Uh, fully online this coming fall. Um, so I think to, to, to answer that question, I think it is both providing the supports students need uh, when they're here on campus, but also paying attention to uh, workforce development needs and making sure that we have programs that um, are, are beneficial for our region um, and for the state. 
Dr. Julia Jaskin is the president of McDaniel College. It's our Midday on Higher Education series. I'm Tom Hall. Our number, 410-662-8780. If you have a question for Dr. Jaskin, our email is midday at wypr.org. So this whole business of retention is a real, real uh, priority and issue for you and all of your colleagues uh, with whom I've spoken over the years. Um, it's one thing to, you know, do what you can to uh, pump up the brand and get people to apply and then get them to accept your acceptance of them. And then once they're there, um, you still have to work pretty hard to make sure they don't quit. Um, and that, that didn't used to be the case. Um, I, you know, I was, I went to college in the late 1970s. I was an RA, a resident advisor, and there were kids who were homesick and, you know, we had a nice talk about it and they got over it and they never quit. I mean, I, I, I can't even remember anybody in my freshman or sophomore year in college leaving college and just deciding not to do it or to go someplace else. It, it seemed a very rare occurrence, but now it seems like it's a fairly common occurrence. Why is that? Are there general reasons for that? Uh, and are there things that you can do about it? Um, you know, I guess you've just mentioned a few, but, but why do you think that is that, uh, today's students, um, really, you know, once they even get accepted to a college, feel like they still got a bunch of options. Yeah, it's an interesting dynamic, and I, I think there are several uh, sort of conflating factors there. Um, I think one has to do with the reality that they're they are aware of more choices. Um, I I remember uh, at, when I was looking for colleges as an undergraduate student, I was I looked at three different colleges, right, and um, and and really decided on one without much. Uh, you know, sort of fanfare. It happened to be the closest to to where I grew up, you know, two and a half hours uh, uh, south, right? So, um, but I think now students we see are um, applying to 10, 15, 20 different institutions. So even on the front end of the process, they know they have options. Um, I also think that uh, there's a lot of oftentimes negative press about the value of college uh, and, you know, is it is it right for you? Is it worth the investment? Um, we know research shows, of course, that that the answer is yes, it is uh, one of the best investments you can make uh, to from the perspective of, you know, the return on investment over a lifetime in salary earnings. But um, so there there are those sort of seeds of, of discontent, I think, that's just part of the milieu that we are in right now. Um, but I also think that, you know, affordability is something that uh, students are very aware of. I think um, families are increasingly less willing to, um, you know, to take out loans. Students are less willing to take out loans. And um, so it is incumbent on institutions to really make sure that they are clear about the scholarship opportunities that that are available um, and uh, that they have programs to make colleges as affordable as possible. Uh, it's my understanding that the tuition at McDaniel College is somewhere between forty eight thousand and fifty thousand dollars a year. That's a big chunk of change for anybody. And when I talk to, again, your, your colleagues uh, around the state who are the leaders of uh, various institutions, um, it's often the case that uh, so many uh, of the students are subsidized with scholarships. Um, tell us about this new program. You just announced it on Monday called the Carroll County Scholars Program. You're going to be offering 
some some pretty significant financial aid. Absolutely. We are very proud to be in Carroll County. Um, we serve uh, Carroll County, of course, but 75% of our students come from, from Maryland. 13% of our students come from Carroll County. And um, one of the strategic planning initiatives uh, that, that we have launched really focuses on uh, being the best partner we can for the county, uh, for our city, and for the region. Uh, but specifically, as we were thinking about what could we do for Carroll County, we realized that uh, the, the most value we could provide to our county is our awareness of the college search process. And, and we know how complex it can be, how uh, sometimes disorienting it can be because there are so many different steps. And so um, we have launched the Carroll County Scholars Program. Uh, very excited about this new initiative. Uh, we just launched on Monday. Uh, and as early as the eighth grade, we're gonna be providing uh, Carroll County students and their families a series of educational programming and events uh, that are really crafted to help support a successful college search. So early on, uh, we're going to be covering topics like, is college right for me? What are the different types of colleges? What's the difference between scholarships, grants, and loans, for example, from a perspective of affordability? Um, and then in later years, you know, how, how do you navigate the financial aid process? How do you write college essays? So trying to be as helpful as, as we can, um, you know, regardless of whether students choose McDaniel or another institution, uh, we just want to be supportive in that way. Um, if students are enrolled in the program and they, they move through the program and they do choose to enroll at McDaniel, we're going to be offering a $100,000 scholarship over the four years uh, for students. So that's $25,000 per year. Um, it also uh, enables students to compete for full tuition scholarships, which is pretty exciting. Uh, and this is a, a great partnership that we have with local businesses and alumni who um, really want to make sure that uh, a four-year education is uh, accessible for our local students right here at home. Yeah, accessible and, and worthwhile. I mean, as you call it, the value proposition of a liberal arts education. You mentioned the nursing program. There's a huge shortage of nurses uh, in every major medical institution in the state and around the country. Uh, there's even a shortage of doctors, for that matter. But um, in in terms of making the case for the liberal arts education, do you do you see a shift towards saying, well, well, you know, it's liberal arts, but there's real career training here. I mean, if you're a nursing major, you're going to be able to get out. And believe me, <laughs> if anybody wants to be a nurse, you will never be without a job. I mean, there are just you know tons and tons of open for that. But how do you make that value proposition uh, between the, the humanities and, you know, sort of career oriented training? Yeah, I think that that is is critical. And it's certainly been part of our success. Um, as you know, we have had uh, in the last five years, four of our our uh, highest enrolled classes have have happened in the last five years, which is pretty exceptional, considering that you know two and a half to three of those were in the COVID landscape. Um, and so, when we look back at the majors that we have developed over that time, we've got about. 
15% of our students, uh, incoming students flowing into those new majors. And you are exactly correct. They are career focused majors, um, American Sign Language, Biomedical Science, Criminal Justice, Health Sciences, Marketing. So it it is, um, I think for students, very helpful for them to be able to to take a major that um, where they can see the path. And we know that uh, looping back to your question about retention and how do we encourage students to retain, um, we know that students retain better. They um, move forward and make progress uh, towards degree, degree completion when they can see the path. The path is clear for them. And so um, we've we've had a lot of success with those career-focused majors, but still having that uh, value proposition of the liberal arts at the core of the experience. So the things like problem solving, critical thinking, um, you know, intercultural awareness, um, and uh, and the other thing, too, is we find a lot of our students who are uh, coming in with the desire to take those career-focused majors, um, because of the way our curriculum works, they often double major in other topics like, you know, philosophy, history, um, you know, uh, English, uh, literature, and, and those types of things. And when it comes to um, political polarity uh, and uh, freedom of expression, uh, First Amendment issues that so many colleges are facing. Um, have you found uh, that you're confronting those on your campus as well? Certainly, uh, the Israel-Hamas war has engendered uh, very strident uh, feelings and sometimes strident and even violent protests on both sides of the uh, of that of that particular conflict, and it's 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 torn apart many college campuses uh, to say nothing of uh, society at large. But um, as a college president, how do you approach that challenge? Sure. Yeah, I my guess is there isn't a college in the nation that isn't uh, facing this topic on some level at this time. Um, you know, I think we um, we talk about it on our campus uh, within the frame of freedom of expression. Um, oftentimes the the common nomenclature is free speech, which is actually a, a little bit more uh, of a narrow concept that has to do with um, you know, the constitutional right to express oneself without government interference. So, um, but from the perspective of that freedom of expression, there is this really necessary balance that comes with that, um, you know, wanting to support members of our campus community expressing their views, but also having a commitment to upholding the college's values um, and, you know, not tolerating any form of hate speech um, in violation of the college's policy. So we're, we're always walking that that fine line there. Um, as an educational institution, we ought to be able to have hard conversations and talk about hard things. In fact, um, it's really, I think, part of our obligation to provide those spaces where um, we we help create uh, a community that that can be in dialogue and respectful dialogue and sometimes respectfully disagree. Um, in terms of of the Israel-Hamas war right now, it, I, I think that um, we haven't had as as much um, sort of churn on our campus as I think many campuses have. Certainly, uh, every day, you know, you see what's happening on other campuses. Um, I think 
our our key focus here at McDaniel has really been to make sure that members of our campus community are supported, um, meeting with student cultural groups, individual community members. Um, you know, we've we've held a, a campus vigil to come together uh, to grieve and and be together in solidarity and support for one another. Um, have been in touch with our our city police, you know, in case there would be some kind of a of a conflict. Um, and I think that the other thing that many institutions are doing, and and we are certainly doing here at McDaniel, is arranging educational fora where um, students can understand kind of the historical context of what's happening right now to, to try to come to terms with where things are and and what the what the hopes might be for the for the future. So, but it is it is really a a tough time for so many um, in the community right now. Yeah, and uh, you know when we talk about spaces where people feel comfortable expressing their opinions, and uh, you know uh, the they they feel like they're able to do that in an atmosphere where people will be you know listened to and and respected, and the conversations will remain civil. Um, it brings up the other. Um, part of that, the dimension of that that many colleges are wrestling with, and that is this um, obligation to create safe spaces, to create spaces where people know that they won't even be challenged necessarily, that they won't hear things uh, that could, uh, you know, trigger negative emotions. Um, University of Chicago has very famously come out saying, you know, we don't, we don't accept that. Uh, we're going to let anybody say pretty much anything they want and the students are going to have to you know learn discernment and learn uh, how to deal with those things that are that are uh, you know unpalatable and and uh, unappetizing to hear um what's your take on that is it is it the obligation of an institution like yours or any of the other liberal arts colleges around the country uh, to make sure that people are are protected from hearing things they may not want to hear yeah, I, th I think that that is, um, again, that that balance and so much depends upon the context. Um, and and I think that um, it, it's part of why we, we have um, our Office of Diversity, Equity and Inclusion that uh, does a great job helping us to navigate these things. Um, and, you know, I do think that while it's important for absolutely for our students to feel safe, um, we can we can create the the most amazing conditions here on on our campus, uh, but they have to go out there in the world, and the world can be a very cruel place. And um, so we want to do the best we can to equip our students with the the coping mechanisms and and the ways to engage uh, when they they do encounter um, speech that is offensive or um, or things that make them uncomfortable. But it's a, it's a tough it's it's a tough climate right now in regards to that. Yeah, it is. Uh, we just have a minute left here. Um, I wonder, um, do you like your job? And and I ask you that uh, in the in the context of you know you were in the classroom for many years. You served as a provost. You were involved in the DEI initiatives at McDaniel. Uh, now you've been the president for for two years. Um, what's the best part of it? Yeah, um, I I love this job. Every day I wake up and um, there is more to do. I I love this community. I think um, it's it's probably the the secret to our success over time has been innovation and collaboration and community. And it's just a a blessing to 
have been at an institution for so many years and to be able to see the the bright future that's ahead and be able to play a role in that. So um Deeply, deeply appreciative of this job. Yeah, it's an interesting, uh, it's an interesting call by the board of directors to hire someone from within. There's arguments for and against that, of course. Um, if they're looking for somebody to shake things up, maybe they bring somebody in from outside. But you have a long history there. I'm sure many of the faculty, you know, worked side by side with you for many years. So you're a known quantity, uh, and uh, you know, from all reports, it seems to be going pretty good so far. So keep up the good work, and uh, <laughs> thanks for your time today. I appreciate it. Oh, thanks so much. It's been a pleasure. Dr. Julia Jaskin is the president of McDaniel College. And up next, the acclaimed poet Grace Cavalieri. She's stepping down from her role as Maryland's Poet Laureate soon. We'll talk to her about her tenure and her new collection of poems. It's beautiful. It's called The Long Game. And it's midday. I'm Tom Hall. Stay with us. <laughs> 